Before we start, this episode of Gayish features graphic discussion and even jokes about depression and suicide. If that's something you prefer not to hear, or if there's any possibility that will be a trigger for you in any way, then we suggest that you please skip this episode. If you or anyone you love is contemplating suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number immediately. It's 1-800-273-8255. And now, enjoy Gayish. Hello everyone in the podcast universe, this is Gayish. The podcast that puts one in the stink and then two more in the stink. <laughs> the shocker it's is the worst. <laughs> it's just all stink all the time. Might as well get that fourth one in there while you're at it. Yeah, or just don't do anal. Just don't do anal. That would you would be a sad, lonely life of this. No, they're actually gay people that just don't like anal. All right. I might be one of them. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. I might have given too much info up front, and I regret it. <laughs> it's not that I don't like anal, it's just my butthole's tiny. So today we're going to talk about <laughs> depression. <laughs> You're really nervous. And I'm really nervous and uncomfortable right now. Do you want to just, like, part the kimono and say, <laughs> say why? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yes and no. I do and don't. And that's part of the, uh, like, uh, so I have depression and I, it's not something I talk about a lot. It's not something, like, only my, only some of my really close friends, not even all of my really close friends know about it. And, and we're... Uh, I guess anyone can download a podcast so anyone can hear about this. I I think uh, we talked in the last episode about how there are lots of things you have to come out about, not just being gay. And for me, depression is, I mean, you could argue that it's harder for me to come out about that because I've told less people about depression than I have about being gay. Hmm. That's interesting. Why do you think that is? Like, I I know that mental health is a big stigma and that's like part of, masculine ideal actually is that like you are rock solid. There's nothing wrong with your brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if there is, it's because you just haven't tried hard enough to overcome it. It it, it is. Does that speak to you? Is that, is that why? Uh, No, I mean, it's not about trying to be masculine because I've given up that hope (laughs) long ago. Totes mask. Um, Totes mask, butch. (laughs) That's for you, Murph. (laughs) Um, No, I think it's because, I don't want people to tiptoe around me because of this or think they can't make jokes. Like part of my personality is you make offensive jokes about people and that's funny. And like, I don't want people to stop doing that. And I don't want people to be, to treat me differently. I don't want people to see me as weak. Now what I do want though, is I want people to care. I want people to identify with that. I want people to, you know, every now and then just be like, Hey, how's it going? And then I can decide if I want to get into that or not. Uh, do you know what the best part about depression is? No. <laughs> if you commit suicide, you don't have to worry about cancer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> That's super uplifting. Uh, I'm a hypochondriac, so I'm worried about all of that all the time always. So, you know. Yeah, you really are. Yeah. You really, really are. Yeah. Um, we are going to uh, talk about depression, but in case it gets too heavy, we are going to also uh, interrupt with facts about the Great Depression. So, <laughs> so, so that way we can still be, you know, yeah, so a little Kyle, lighthearted. In the Great Depression, unemployment was twenty three point six percent, but yours is one hundred percent. 
household of, in in my household it's 100% as well because my dog also does not work. God, he's just he's a slacker. Just, he's just freeloading. <laughs> we are using none of his savings as uh, during my time of unemployment. The, I think that what's happening right now is I'm avoiding talking about depression because I'm uncomfortable. I get it. Well, okay. So y- you told me that you suffered from depression yes. quite a while ago. Yes. Although we'd been friends for a very long time before you did and you were clearly awkward about it. You were like reluctant, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is the best word. And I'm wondering, I, I, I forget. I, I also suffer from depression. I'm, I'm currently medicated for, for depression and for ADHD. Uh, same as on the first half. I'm not. I'm not uh, spastic like you on the second half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lose control of my limbs from time to time. That's why I punched a baby one. <laughs> he, then again, he was a jerk. That baby he had was a it, dick. He had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing I don't remember though is uh, had had I told you that about myself, and that made you feel more comfortable, or. Do you do you have a shitty memory? Do you remember uh, if if I was out to you as a depressed person um, um, before you came out to me? I don't remember that at all. Partly because I have a shitty memory, but partly because I'm more important than you. So <laughs> I don't always remember the things you say to me. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, it took, but it takes a long time. I mean, it took a long time hang out a whole lot before i finally felt okay to tell you about it and even when like you said being reluctant i feel like that's a nice way to say it i was i i kind of said i need to tell you about this but then didn't want to and then you kind of forced it out of me so which was i'm I'm glad but yeah Yeah, you did that facebook thing where (laughs) somebody posts their status is like oh i'm so mad but i don't want to talk about it don't ask me why huh (laughs) You're like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, probably. There was a time before Stonewall that the word gay just meant happy, mm-hmm. right? It's the, the gay 20s and uh, the Flintstones will have a gay old time. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't there a Christmas carol with gay in it? Like gay bells or something? What's that one? Uh, Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls of Bells of Holly. Don't we know our gay apparel? There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. I thought it was really interesting that despite the fact that an overwhelming majority of LGBT people suffer from some sort of mental illness, most typically depression, that it's the opposite of what the word gay hmm. meant, right? Is that true? A majority of LGBT people suffer from? I What I read was that, uh, let's see, LGB people are 1.5 times more likely to experience depression, anxiety, or substance abuse than heterosexual people. Where did that source come from? It's from uh, King et al. (laughs) 2008. It was a combination of 25 different international studies of youth and adult LGB people. You're so happy I asked you. (laughs) you I wrote that whole fucking shit out. My pages are so much longer now because I have all that ready. Because go fuck yourself. And I just, I, I just roll in with nothing. Like, <laughs> you do, you don't have anything. I'm just here. I'm just here to chat. <laughs> so the beginning of the Great Depression was on October 29th, 1929, and it was known <laughs> as Black Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is also, uh, I think they have Black Tuesday at the Cuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the gay bars here in Seattle is the Cuff, and 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 I think every Tuesday is Black Tuesday. Sunday is Latin Night, and then it's Black Tuesday. Tuesday. Black Tuesday. Well, uh, so that's interesting. Like, did you know that Black Tuesday, when the stock market crashed, it actually crashed on a black person? <laughs> but the revisionist history that we have does not mention the race issue. And actually, the protesters that formed from the Black Tuesday protests are what we now call the Black Lives Matter protests. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It involved all the way back from the Great Depression. Hashtag fake news. Hashtag Black Lives you know, Matter. You won't hear this in the lamestream media. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so something that just uh, – so I was doing a bunch of research. I was looking at all these studies, and it was just a basic thing that made me feel better. It said uh, depression is one of the most common disorders in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That That's not that there are plenty more detailed insightful lgbt specific studies that i read but just reading that made like i i just since i'm so worried about talking about it and so worried i i feel often isolated mm-hmm. just knowing that is one of the most common things that actually helped me and then it that reminded me that the reason I feel isolated because of it, the reason I feel weird and uncomfortable is not because I'm bad. It's because society doesn't let you talk about it. Yeah. So that was actually super basic, but actually really helpful thing for me to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I think that uh, one common misconception too, is that that depression is sadness. Mm -hmm. Like I suffer from depression from time to time. I'm in a good place now, like medication wise, but w- when I'm in a deep depression, mm-hmm. I don't actually feel sad. I'm not sad. I I have difficulty concentrating. It's literally difficult for me to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I'm really sensitive to pain and have headaches in a weird way that I don't normally when I'm healthy. Things don't make me happy. I'm just sort of numb but but none of those things are the sort of stereotypical idea of a depressed person who's just crying all the time for no good reason that's not that's not how it manifests for me and i think it's probably a more typical way that it manifests itself in men right like men are taught not to cry not Mm -hmm. to show their emotions and so it's this weird uh place where what you expect depression to feel like the experience of it based on the media, based on things that you've seen in movies, TV, whatever, that's that's yeah. really not what it's like to be depressed. I, does that speak yeah. to you at all? Yeah. Well, so for me, um, I lack of motivation is the biggest thing for me. Um, and it's interesting because even some of my friends will joke about how lazy I am and I laugh about it with them. But what's really going on is deeper than that. It's, it's that lack of interest in the things that I usually do inability to get out of bed. Like, you know, that we'll joke about, Oh, Kyle naps so much and sleeps in. Well, when that's happening, that's one of the signals that I'm more depressed. Cause I, yeah, I wake up and I'm like, I do not want to be awake. I would rather be asleep because when I'm asleep, I don't have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, lack of motivation, lack of interest in things I care about. The reason I quit my job, the reason I am a hundred percent unemployed right now is because I want to pursue these things that I'm passionate about. I actually remember my ex said like when we were still dating, wow, you like you say you love writing, but you don't do it ever and you don't care about it. So like maybe you don't actually like writing. Mm. And I, and I felt really guilty about that. And then there was this big cycle of like, I love writing, but I'm not doing it. 
and I should be doing it and maybe I don't care about it and maybe that's not my passion, blah, blah, blah. But what it really is is I'm depressed. So something that I – it is what I care about. It is the thing I'm most passionate about. And suddenly that thing does not interest me. Yeah, yeah. And and that just makes it worse too because then you realize I'm this is never going to get better. N- nothing – I'm not going to care about anything. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a worthless feeling. It's mm-hmm. a worthlessness that, that you just can't extract yourself from. But the things that you could do that would validate you, give yourself some sort of value – uh, you can't bring yourself to do them, so you just get stuck even more. It's almost funny whenever you talk to friends or doctors about depression. It's not funny at all. That was the wrong word, but I mean a little bit. Like, you'll be like, oh, I'm depressed. And they're like, are you exercising? I'm like, no, because I'm fucking depressed. And they're like, well, you should try exercising. I'm like, of course I should. No shit. Have you eaten broccoli? No, of course I should. Are you taking vitamins? No, I'm not. I'm sleeping instead. Like, of like... I've never seen a vegetable in your fridge, by the way. Like, <laughs> like anybody who asks you if you've been eating broccoli is just—that's that's depressed or non-depressed. That's just. A, do, you, do you know what one of the best things about depression is? What you don't have to make your bed anymore because you're in it all day. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know one of the downsides of depression? Hmm. Your bed smells like funk because <laughs> you're in it all day. Yeah. Also, one of the upsides, though. There is fast food all around you because <laughs> all you're doing is ordering fast food. And if you reach out your right hand, you will probably find a pizza. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, people's suggestions when people say, oh, have you tried getting out of bed earlier? Have you tried doing this? Like it always is. It's actually more annoying than helpful to me because I'm like, I know you should exercise. If at this point you don't know that you should exercise, like you've been living under a rock and you're an idiot. I know I should do that. No, I can't make myself. So the more helpful thing is, hey, let's set up an appointment to run together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, hey, I'm going to come over to your place at 10 a.m. You should be dressed and ready to go and we're going to go somewhere. So something that I found when I was looking things up is a like psychological, physiological term. I don't know what the right word is. But a term that's used in research, uh, gay-related stress. Oh, okay. Have you heard of this? No. Um, it's all the less specific one is minority stress, but gay-related stress, you know, specific to LGBT people. Um, it, it, it's. I mean, it is what it sounds like. It's the specific stress that comes on people that are gay or lesbian purely because of their identity. Um, and I didn't realize that this, like, this is a topic that when you search for it, you just get all this research into gay-related stress and, um. There's research that looked into gay-related stress. They looked into general life stress. They looked into internalized homophobia, stigma consciousness, openness about sexual orientation, all these different variants to connect it to depression. What they found is that gay-related stress and stigma consciousness were both independent predictors of depression or depressive symptoms. That's interesting. So when when you, when you said gay related stress, I thought of any gay bar at one fifty five when they made last call, and everyone has this like deer in the headlights look of who am I going home with? I got to fuck someone. <laughs> <laughs> Validate me, please. Someone help me. That might be one of the gay. Re- no, I think straight people have that too. So that might not count. Do straight people do that? Do straight people like look around at the bar at like one fifty five? Amy Schumer 
has talked about it. So it must be a thing straight people go through. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, I mean, I think straight dudes have it maybe, maybe a little harder because straight girls always have that like chick. That's like the, the, we gotta go girl. The, we, <laughs> we gotta go. And then they grab their friends and like drag them out of the bar. Yeah, yeah. So like, at least they have some sort of support. Yeah. They know who they're going home with. It's their girlfriend. <laughs> um, Sorry, so, uh, uh, sorry, it was, it was gay-related stress, and the other one was stigma? Uh, stigma consciousness. W- what does that mean? Uh, I looked that up, yeah. Stigma consciousness is how aware you are that people have a negative or, you know, derisive opinion of gay people. So, continuously being reminded of gay people are worse than straight people, or gay marriages are not as legitimate as straight marriages you're you're reminded that oh there is a stigma that's attached to being gay versus the opposite of that would be you affirming affirming you completely think that gay people are the same as straight people all of your friends are totally on board with your being gay and in fact they don't care and actually like i think this was the study that talked a lot about some of these microaggressions that can really weigh in on that stigma consciousness so little things can add up like Someone saying, I don't think bisexuals exist. Well, if you're a bisexual, that's a little microaggression that's like... I don't exist. I, well, okay, well, I think but I'm real. I'm real. <laughs> <laughs> I think I exist. So, you know, all the... And that's one of the reasons, one of the arguments for gay marriage, for, you know, talking about LGBT issues to children is like giving people the idea that like you are included, you are fine, people will accept you regardless of how you actually feel about it, like let's make less people kill themselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we should hopefully all be on board with like, if less people kill themselves, that's a good thing. So that's There's one of the ways to get there. Real angry Trump voters that <laughs> think that we should just kill. That ourselves. disagree. But that's true. For the most part, I think you're for right. the most part, anybody compassionate. Um, wait, uh, so these two things are supposed to be predictors for depression, for depressive uh, symptoms. Yeah. So, and stigma, Stigma consciousness. Stigma so, consciousness is a predictor of depression. Mm-hmm. Is that why I feel sad when I go to Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, go, you get sad because everyone's so fat. <laughs> okay. You're like, how do you take up an entire lane? I can, I, there's no route around you. I need to turn around because I can't fit around you. Large woman in a motorized wheelchair shopping cart combo. Uh Sorry, I but you're happy because things are so cheap. So what are you going to do? The gay option is to go to Target. I'll just let you know. Target made a conscious effort to be classier than mm-hmm, Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like they got their shit together in the '90s. Target was Walmart. Like yep. it was yep. so gross, and now it's pretty great. Yep, like, they went to the Olsons, <laughs> which is what we all do when we try to class our shit up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ashley. Hey, you don't. Ashley's the go-to, not Mary Kate. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Ashley's the Ashley's the good one. How do you tell them apart? Um, the one that is high on cocaine <laughs> and currently giving a blowjob. That's the classy one. <laughs> that's Ashley. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, Mike. Did you know that the Great Depression? <laughs> Is actually named after the first person in the U.S. that lost their job due to the economic downfall. And his name was Depper Eschen. Oh. <laughs> he was fat. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, what happened to Mr. Eschen? He died of fatness. <laughs> <laughs> like that dude in Seven that like got fed too much food. Except he was the one doing the feeding. He just did it himself. Yep. Suicide by food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our our funny anecdotes that are used to lighten the mood are getting sad. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. Are we going to use any of this episode? Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And actually, I think it's really important to talk about this. Like, as you were saying earlier, there's such a stigma attached with it. It's especially a problem for gay people. It needs to be okay to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's absolutely no reason that we should be ashamed we absolutely could benefit from being more open and honest with each other as a as a society about the struggles that are involved here it's even more important that people get medicated they're really good medications and sure they make your dick not work which is a problem i'm having right now but uh like they 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 genuinely can help you pull through and have a, a stable baseline and you can get out of bed in the morning and sure your day might suck but at least you're a person and mm. uh it's it's only because i realized that it was okay enough to go get help mm. and if a single person listening to this goes to their doctor and ends up getting help totally worth it so you seem to have less worry or fear about talking about it how is i don't know that if you can even answer this question but how is that well um i mean half of my family's batshit crazy <laughs> you experienced that at easter it's true does your do you talk to your family about depression it's interesting my my mom certainly my brothers i think i've talked to them off and on about it my dad i have talked to uh, off and on, but less so. And I think it's because he comes from this very white Catholic nuclear family where it's a personal failing if you have a mental health issue of some kind. And gotcha. for whatever reason, with mom and mom's family, they're a lot closer and they're a lot more open with each other. And there's this sort of understanding that we are who we are and it's... It's just like Kesha said. We are who we are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we could afford it, we would play the Kesha track right here, but we can't. Because, so just you can imagine it in your head. Let's let's all give, give everyone a moment to think of the Kesha track, We Are Who We Are. Did, did you think about it? No, they're busy yelling timber. <laughs> it's going down. Hi. Um. <laughs> No, uh, that's actually i think that's a really good point and interesting contrast that you have within your own family of your dad versus your mom's side um my family does not talk about emotions and it's i i don't want to make that sound like something negative against my family my family talks about things way more than my parents talked about things with their parents mm. but still it's only been recently that i've even been able to talk to my family about depression and even when i do i downplay it um, I, I don't tell them how bad it really is. I worry about their feelings more when I'm talking about it. And so I think there's something about your your openness with your family that then leads to how open are you beyond that with your friends, with your acquaintances, with people you don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you, you said that you were pretty sure 
no, not pretty sure, totally sure that if you told your mom not to listen to the podcast, she wouldn't. Oh no, I yeah, I I would I would say, hey, I'm doing a podcast, and after I told her what a podcast was, then <laughs> um, I would say don't listen to it. And we, m- me and my mom have this kind of it's not even a code because it's just very direct it's even with my like fiction writing that i've published there are things that um i just say are they mom appropriate or not mom appropriate uh i write things about sex and sometimes i say like hey i got things published and she's like great is it mom appropriate to read and i'll say no and she was like okay well i'm very happy for you and this podcast is not mom appropriate my mom and her (laughs) friend judy were here this is a couple years ago and they were helping clean the apartment because we were garbage people and <laughs> it was disgusting and they were in our bathroom and they're like cleaning away and i go in there and i say don't open that drawer immediately <laughs> open the drawer and there's just dildos and douche balls and the, like what's a douche ball no you know the little the rubber the rubber ball that you put the water in that has the spout on it that you put up your ass to blow water up your ass and then you cleans it out no kyle i don't know about a douche ball you have had you've you've taken a dick or two <laughs> in your tiny butthole a maximum of two <laughs> yeah, yeah people have put it in the back door I know what you're getting for Christmas now. <laughs> <laughs> is it a, is it a pony? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll show it to you. Can we take a break? Let's take a break. We're back. No, you're drinking. Your mouth is full. My mouth is full. You're used to that. <laughs> before we before we get going again, I I think it's important to say that the the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number is 1-800-273-8255. There's help out there, and there are people that are willing to listen. You're not alone. Just make the call. Similarly, if you are gay and young and struggling with all of the things that we struggle with because we're gay and young, uh, you should call the Trevor Project, and they specifically help out gay youth and are trying to prevent suicide among that really fragile population. The number for that is 1-866-488-7386. Did you watch 13 Reasons Why, Mike? I didn't watch 13 Reasons Why. Why not? Because that boy is supposed to be in high school, and I thought he was real cute. The main guy? It made me feel real weird. Oh, Clay? um, Yeah, he was cute, but there was another one that I forget his name but he had a tattoo across the front of his chest and he took off a shirt in the first episode and i was into him and that made me feel weird weird enough to keep watching <laughs> yeah well and i like I, I never know what to do right because you know that like glee mm-hmm. i was into a couple of people in glee and they're supposed to be in high school uh teen wolf teen wolf oh god i watched the shit out of teen wolf <laughs> uh, yeah but like you know the actors are of age but they're supposed to be in high school, and then does that make you creepy for watching those shows? Yeah, if yeah, if a tree falls in the woods and it's over eighteen, and then you fuck it, and then you fuck it, <laughs> does anyone hear you orgasm? Right, exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> the real question. Um, the reason, uh, thirteen reasons why, you know, I I had mixed feelings about it, but other than like the writing was okay not great the storylines are good uh, but as far as the depression and suicide part of it um i 
So what I liked is that it shows how all these little things can influence a person to depression and even suicide. I'm gonna I don't, I'm gonna give some spoilers if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, stop listening now, but come back in like five minutes. We would love to have you back after I give these things away. Um, she gets raped, but also her friends stop showing up to a friend group that she's in. So people, I've seen things that say like really you're comparing her being raped to her friends not showing up. But I think the point is there's so many things that we do to other people without thinking that can contribute to depression or suicide. And when I was watching actually a video on the Trevor project aimed at educators, one of the things they said very clearly is you are not responsible for another person's decision to take their own life. And 13 reasons why took a different approach. The main character said a a counselor told that to the main character and the main character said, but are you sure? But we all did these things to this person that influenced her. And I think that's the more realistic approach. And that's what I liked about it. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm the kind of uh, depression where I trip when walking on the street and that can turn me into a spiral of, Oh, I tripped. Oh, everyone saw. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Now everyone thinks I'm stupid. Oh, I am stupid. Oh, why am I like, and it sounds so dumb when I say it out loud, but in the moment, little things can then trigger this spiral of thoughts that it's really hard to get out of. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also, I'm torn. I'm really torn by what you just said, because I, I, I recognize the truth in a death by a thousand paper cuts or that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the little things that we say and do to each other matter. Words do matter. And, um, how do I, how do I sort of, um, reconcile that with the truth that that person did what they did mm-hmm. and it doesn't do anybody any good for you to somehow blame yourself for that it's it's a suicide not a murder right and um so i i I don't know i'm really i'm really i'm really torn i think yeah i think at least what i got out of 13 reasons why is the reason there was a different person every every episode that she talks about you're one of the reasons is that yeah it's not it is not the one thing you do to a person that caused it so you should not feel that you caused that thing what I think the point is, is people being more aware of how they treat each other and you saying a mean comment to someone in your head. It's just like, oh, I just said this mean thing. They should have a big enough stomach to take it. What you don't may not know is there were 10 other people before them that were mean to them. They are already depressed and your mean thing just added onto the pile. So I think in that way, in the recognizing Like, I think people give themselves excuses a lot of times for things that they do that are bad or mean when you don't know what another person's going through. So don't give yourself an excuse to treat someone poorly. Um, And if you do find that you treated someone poorly, it's really powerful to reach out to that person and say, hey, I'm really sorry I did that. I care about you. Like It rehumanizes them. It, it says to them, you are important. I care about you. I'm sorry for what you, for what I did to you. And that can have, you know, it's a, it, it takes so little of your time, but could have such a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. The thing I did not like about 13 Reasons Why is I'm going to basically contradict myself. It talked about all these specific things that happened to a person that caused them to commit suicide. And I often feel guilty 
that I am depressed because I don't have any, I don't have, like I was never raped. I didn't grow up in an abusive household. I didn't, uh, you know, like I was not bullied when for being gay. Like there's so many things that people go through that make them depressed. Rightfully. So I never had that. And I feel guilty that I'm depressed. Well, and one of the criticisms of, of 13 reasons why is that, uh, you don't even necessarily need reasons. Right, like exactly. D- depression is a m- mental problem. It's chemical. Like yep. the person might just be struggling because of their brain chemistry. Right. And there are different types. There's situational depression, which is, you know, I moved to a new city, I don't know anyone, and so now I'm depressed because of the situation I find myself in. And then I'll find friends and meet people, and now I'm not depressed anymore. And there is, I don't know the word for it, chemical. Chemical is that chemical depression it's it's the like it's not a situation it's just how your your mind brain connects to your receptacles receptacles <laughs> hey mike did you know that most people think that the grapes of wrath is a novel written about the great depression but in reality it's not considered a novel because it's technically too boring <laughs> uh i'm pretty sure that the grapes of wrath is what all champagne is made out of because <laughs> i just i feel punished you every don't time like champagne i i love champagne but oh. it's the next day oh I feel yeah, yeah like, yeah, like yeah. The, the wrath has the been grapes of tomorrow's wrath tomorrow's like <laughs> exactly. assumed yeah. so i my grandfather at the age of 82 realized that he had depression and and got medicated and uh it's made a giant difference he was having anxiety and was just really down a lot and was struggling and was trying to figure out you know what's going on talk to his doctor got on this whole thing and it made me made, made me realize that it's not a generational thing this is not a young person's problem 13 reasons why makes it sound like it's an angsty teenager thing and it, it's it's not and it's never too late like go go get the help that you need no matter where you're at in life and it's been really good for him yeah. he, he's happy and amazing and i but i hope to god when i am 84 almost 85 like my grandfather is i'm as amazing as he is he's fantastic you tell him that no and i should you're super right about that i'm af- I'm, I'm really afraid that what like what he will hear I, i'm afraid that he's gonna be like you and what he's gonna hear mm-hmm. is uh i want you to know how much i appreciate you because you are almost dead oh yeah yeah <laughs> so what i'm worried about is any compliment i hear for the next month is going to be Hey, I heard that episode about your depression, and now I want to give you a compliment so that I don't feel guilty in case you kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to kill yourself? No. Do you, do you ever feel like you might? Oh, God. Hold on. Let me... Uh, that's not a no. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say uh, it, was, it, was, it was Christmas of 2000, and I was having a really hard time. I was trying not to flunk out of school, and um, I was living at a house... Uh, with my friend Christy, and I just was struggling really hard, having a hard time getting out of bed, having a hard time going to class, 
And I suddenly became very aware of the fact that Marty had kept his guns in my garage because my the house that I was renting had one and they could be in there and he, where he was living, it wasn't allowed at the time. And I found myself in this weird space where I had no specific plan. I wasn't going to go and use the gun on myself, but at the same time, some part of me knew that that was an option. Yeah. And the fact that it even, even remotely came into my brain was fucking scary. And I got in the car and I took a drive and tried to clear my mind. And I was like, I just need to get out of this space. And that's actually the closest that I've ever gotten to quote unquote suicidal behavior, suicidal ideation. Um, I've never felt unsafe. Just those ideas kind of swirl around sometimes, you know, how often, I guess when you're depressed, do you think about suicide? Like me actually actively ending my own life. I don't, I don't know what I mean by that. But I'll let you interpret it. I don't. Uh, I've I quite often think when I'm doing really poorly, I will think <laughs> I'll ask the question: Am I in danger? Am I am I anywhere near ending my life? And I don't think that's a question people ask themselves <laughs> every day unless they're struggling with something. Yeah. So it, it it's hard to answer because I, I never have a plan. I never feel unsafe. But the fact that I would ever even remotely contemplate it, I think, is a sort of yes. But like I said, uh, I, I think they always say with suicide prevention, they say, just ask the person, do you have a plan? Do you feel safe? Uh, and by plan, I mean, do you, do you have any plans to kill yourself? Mm -hmm. Do you feel under control and safe? And if if the answers are no and yes, respectively, then they're at a significantly lower risk of doing anything. They just need to talk. Right. And uh, something that I liked best about, there were like all these prevention tips that were things that you've, you've heard feeling, uh, when they eat more or less, they don't have energy. They, you know, they, you feel sick all the time. Uh, you see reckless behavior, uh, like, I don't know, all these things that you, that you've heard of, and all of those things, whenever I hear them, I'm like, yeah, but like any one of those, like everyone would always be running around with their hands up like, ah, everyone's going to kill themselves. But like the thing that I like best is, you know, your friend best. Mm. You, every single person is different. You know, your friend best. And if they're exhibiting things that seem off to you, just say, hey, I just want to check. You've seemed off to me. Just want to check in and see how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And especially then, like offhanded comments or what seems like a joke like do not take them as jokes and that's a time to ask some of those things that you just said of like okay is that serious or do you feel safe or do you actually have a plan to do that there's this pattern forming where if i don't get acceptable answers from you i'll just harass you <laughs> <laughs> the reverse is true too i'm like goddamn fucking kyle just leave me alone and yeah. then like you, you persist and then it works. So I want to go back to, I, this is something that makes me like, I got real uncomfortable when we're talking about 
uh, suicide. Mm -hmm. And this is something I don't think I've even told you. And this is one of the things that I'm most uncomfortable even about recording this. Mm -hmm. When I get depressed, I think about suicide literally every day. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, everyone asks, like, do you have a specific plan? Like, I think specifically about going, I have sharp kitchen knives which is surprising because i don't have anything in my kitchen <laughs> but i do what are you have... gonna cut with those <laughs> like butter knives no <laughs> yeah, uh, i sometimes cut up a lime oh for a drink that i'm making the next time you pull out a machete so that you can cut out a lime i'm gonna have a um, chat with you yep, yep. <laughs> um yeah i i think specifically about the thing i would use and where i would be hmm. now fantasizing about what you would do and where you would be is different than a plan. Hmm. I did not know that. Like I also know at the same time that I, I know I won't do it. Mm -hmm. And part of me, this is, I'm going to say something that sounds not so bonkers. I feel, I feel embarrassed or weak that I wouldn't do it. Oh, if I'm so depressed and would only attempt suicide to get attention, mm. what does that mean for me? Yeah. Like, why can I not be strong enough to commit suicide? Which I know is a fucked up thing to think, but that's what I do. And it actually, like, this combination of depression and feeling like shit, plus knowing I won't do anything about it, knowing that I won't commit suicide, makes puts me in this weird spot where I feel really uncomfortable asking for help. And in fact, I never, even, even with you, mm -hmm. the person I'm most comfortable about have talked to most about this. I still cannot tell you when I am in that place. I can tell you after the fact, Yeah, I can say yesterday or a week ago, I was really depressed, but I can't tell you when it's happening. Yeah, And part of it is because both I feel really shitty, but I know I won't kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that when you're depressed, when you're in a shitty spot, you will find any reason to feel even worse about yourself. So mm -hmm. instead of seeing your actions or your belief in yourself as a good thing, as a protective thing, you'll turn that into a shitty thing by thinking, oh, it's not because I care about myself. It's because I'm a coward. Mm -hmm one of those fits your narrative better than the other. And so when you're, when you're not feeling good, which one, which one feeds that narrative better? Well, it's the one where I'm a coward and I'm not powerful enough. And that's why. Yeah. I think that that's probably just you being shitty to yourself on top of a shitty situation that really it's because you don't want to. Hey Mike. Yeah. Did you know that the new deal actually started when FDR asked for a nude eel? And his personal assistant misheard him. Oh. All he wanted was a naked eel. And then they put together a comprehensive economic plan and he was like, Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> let's go with that then. God damn it. I have this <laughs> I think when I'm depressed, other people can sense it, but I'm not gonna tell them why. I can. Um and it and it's embarrassing. Hmm. And you try to go out and the second you're you're like, oh like you you build up all this courage to go out and hang out with another person. And the entire time you're there, all you're thinking is, I want to leave. I don't want to be here. I want to be home in my bed. 
There's one little thing that doesn't resonate with me, which is that uh, when I when I feel depressed, it is this just colossal effort to get myself to do something mm-hmm. to see other people. Mm-hmm. But then when I do, I'm fine. Like I rise to the occasion most of the time. Every once in a while, I'll show up at a gathering or a bar or whatever, and I'm just not feeling it, and I'll find a way to excuse myself early but most of the time even when i'm super depressed if i can make myself go i'm fine for a while and then i as soon as it's over i go home and collapse into a puddle yeah yeah no i have the same thing like sometimes you make yourself do that thing that you really don't want to do whether it's take a shower or go out and see people um and you feel better and you're glad you're there other times I do that thing, and the entire time I am sitting there with my friends, who I should like, who I should enjoy hanging out with, who I usually do, I'm just thinking in repeat in my head, I want to leave. When can I leave? I just want to get out of there. Or even with things like, you know, take a walk is a common thing. Like, you know, just get outside and take a walk, and I'll take my dog for a walk, and I will go outside, and it just, I just want to be back home, and I'll make, I'll you know, instead of the 30 minute walk I planned, it's a five minute walk and I go back home because it is, I just, the entire time I'm there, I don't want to be there. I think I might start crying in public and I don't want to do that. And what my, used to have a therapist, what my therapist said to me was, but the fact that you went on the walk, even though you don't feel better means you're a little less depressed than you were before. And I think that's a hard thing to judge, but a good thing to keep in mind is, You'll do a little thing and you won't feel better. But if you can tell yourself, but I'm glad I did that because this helped curb a little bit of the depression. I think that's a really, a really positive thing that you can try to remember. You taught me this really awesome thing um, that just do, do three things. Mm -hmm. I think it's three things. Just do three things. I did two. For me, it's two things. My, uh, yeah, my therapist said, do two things, any two things. Literally any two things. If your two things are, I am going to get out of bed before noon and pick up one sock from the ground. They can be the smallest or they can be big things. They can be, I am going to go to work and I am going to finish this project. Like any size of thing, do any two things that day. And then if you do those two things, you are have been successful. And what that does, it makes it so it doesn't seem so daunting to achieve something that day. Man, I could like when I'm depressed, I'm like, ah, oh, like it's so much weight, so much effort. I could never be undepressed. But if you just tell yourself, if I pick up literally one sock and take a shower, that is a successful day, mm-hmm. that motivates you to get going. Mm-hmm. Sometimes after you get going, You'll do more stuff. Mm. Other times, those will literally be the only two things you do that day. And either way, you were a success. Yeah. And good for you. And if you do those two, any two things every day, then it starts getting you in this pattern where you start to feel better about yourself. Hey, Kyle. What's up? During the Great Depression... (laughs) The unemployment rate in Toledo, Ohio was 80%. Jesus fucking Christ. But the depression rate was 96% because they lived in Toledo, Ohio. (laughs) 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 
Mike, what helps you when you're feeling depressed? Mm. What helps you the most? Accountability. What helps me the most is having somebody else care, need me, expect me to show up, and then I will. And I might hate it. I might wish that they were dead while I'm being drugged through this bullshit. Mm -hmm. But it absolutely helps. It Mm -hmm. gets me out of my funk because I can't get myself out of it. Which, so I, I think that's a good segue to if you know somebody that's exhibiting the signs of being depressed, try to be that for them. Right. Ask them out. Force them out if you have to. Just do whatever you can to let them know that you support them, that you love them, that you want them to succeed, that you don't judge them or think less of them if maybe they're struggling from a mental health standpoint. I completely agree with you. To lay the ground, you can't force them to do it, but you can lay the groundwork that enables them to to talk to you about it. And if and when they do... I think the fear, the fear that I have, the fear that a lot of people have is that you will be perceived as weak for doing that. And if you can, if someone tells you even a smidgen of these feelings of depression that they are going through, if you can tell them, thank you for telling me that. I'm so glad you told me that. It's really strong and courageous of you to tell me that. Then that can actually be a boost to someone to say, hey, if I tell someone about my depression, they not only will they not judge me, but they will actually think better of me because I was strong enough to admit this thing about me that I was fearful about. Yeah. The other thing that makes me feel better is getting railed. <laughs> <laughs> just opening it up and taking a giant dick. Mm-hmm. It helps. It's just nature's <laughs> Lexapro. <laughs> Are you hung guys out there? You are nature's Lexapro. You fucking have, get to you, it. You've got a moral obligation to fuck every depressed dude out there. You see a sad looking dude in the corner of the bar? Fuck him. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he's a top. No. He needs to take it. He has. If he's depressed, you got to fuck that shit. <laughs> Place your dick inside that anus. Oh. We're the worst. You're- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you enjoyed this, then uh, our site is gayishpodcast.com, and you should subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Um, Also, we learned that apparently rating us is good for people finding us, so we would love if you rated us. Everyone, open up iTunes. We'll wait. Are you there? You're looking at porn. Put the... That man will get railed later. <laughs> Put the porn away. Open up iTunes. Did you and then and then rate us? We also have a Twitter, which is at Gayish Podcast. And the Facebook group is uh, facebook.com slash groups slash gayish podcast. And we want to hear from you. Twitter, Facebook group, anything. Uh, if you're super old school and you want to use email, mm-hmm. uh, we are at gayishpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So our gayest and straightest this week. (laughs) All right. I'm going to start. Yeah. So uh, the gayest thing about me is I have had to tell several people about voguing and that Madonna did not invent it. 
the reason I know this is because I watched a 10 minute video on Facebook. <laughs> like I am, it's not that I know a lot of shit about it. It's that there was a video in my Facebook feed that I was too lazy to scroll past. And it told me that, so there's like uh voguing way before Madonna is a like kind of underground subculture of the LGBT community. And there are houses that are involved in voguing. People have like, houses that they belong to and they compete in these shows where they vogue against each other and in these houses there's a i well i don't the t forget the 10 minute video but there's like a person in charge i forget if it's like called the mama or just invented the, the house mom the house mom maybe i don't or, that's a frat thing or if that if i'm getting up from fraternities but so I think that needs to be an episode that we talk about is voguing because there's just an entire thing about it that I didn't know about. And I assume that most people don't know about before Madonna. Hmm. The straightest thing about me is the food that I eat. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that everyone assumes that uh, gay people are fit. They're buff. They've got six packs. They like, you know, there's this image of gay people, uh, you know, like these super hot buff gay people that care about their bodies. My dinner tonight was a bag of chips. It's true. I watched you eat them. <laughs> cool. Cause I brought them. I hadn't eaten. I brought them over here and I needed to eat them before we started drinking. Wait. So, and then out of the refrigerator, I pulled out a half a jar of queso. And it was so good. I was like, when you put that in front of me, I was so, I was just like, this is why we're friends because you present me with queso. <laughs> um, I like, I had pizza for dinner yesterday. Like I just eat like shit. And I feel like that's not what people expect out of gay people. So my straightest thing this week was the conversation that I had with the owner of my gym when I tried to re-sign up and I had to pay a bunch of money because I've been behind on payments. And like, I was so, yeah, bro. Like I'm all about the gains. <laughs> And, uh, I just want to get back in the gym and pump some iron and, uh, here's my debit card. Take my money and take it. No, wait, no, sorry. No, that sounded too gay. But, uh, did you feel like you needed to do that because you were at a gym with bros? Oh, 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 the, the voice part. Yeah. Or just like the word, like you being like, nah, I'm super into lifting, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I needed to get back in the gym because I, like, I, I need to be hotter because I need to get laid. Uh, and I'm single now. But, uh, uh, the, the whole exchange with the guy was just because gyms are so weirdly straight. There's just, like, there's, there's protein powder and, and leather gloves for lifting, like, all this. <laughs> leather gloves for no, non-gay purposes. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. There's unisex showers and... And a sex sling. In the, you know, <laughs> wait, no, wait, no, wait, what, Jim? <laughs> well, Sorry, what's the address of your gym? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, uh, there's just, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of testosterone going on. Yeah. And it's... And it's weird to, like, you, you want to and sometimes need to look at the dude with like uh you know that that like cut off too much of their uh sleeve it's like you didn't need to cut off that much because i can see your nips but like i'm fine with it because i can see your nips like yeah. you don't want to look at them and they're lifting and they're like grunting and they're like sweating 
and like you just walk up to them like bro i'm into it but you have over scissored like a lesbian like you're basically wearing a tube top now because you've cut all (laughs) of the important parts of that shirt away and then they tell you that they're gay too and they've been watching you and then you start making out and then you take their shirt off and then they rip your shirt off and then you lay down on the bench and they bench press you and then when did you turn orgasm. into gay tina from bob's burgers <laughs> sorry i'm sorry where are we <laughs> what what just happened <laughs> what Hi. oh hey mike oh hey there i didn't see you there uh-huh. so that's it that's the end of the episode i think that's it for this week this has been gayish i'm mike johnson i'm kyle getz and until next week be butch be fabulous be you see you next week pew 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>